All right. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be overwhelmed by your presence today. The reason we come here is to be with you. What church is all about, it's about simple, ordinary people meeting with an extraordinary God. Getting your heart for us, getting your heart for the world, and in our brokenness and our neediness, being filled up so that we can be used. Now that's why we want to open your word today. We believe, Lord, that your word is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces our hearts. It transforms our thinking. And Lord, we thank you specifically for the book of Romans. And as we open it today, Father, I pray that you'd give me grace to speak your word with boldness. And Lord, that you would come in power and that you'd minister to us and that we would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 1. Two things to make note of. First of all, this insert in your bulletin, the best way to be transformed by this book is to read it daily with us. Our training pastor, Kendall, has written some amazing, absolutely amazing devotionals. I've been going through it. I hope you go through it with me. It's awesome. Secondly, if you have just started coming around All People's Church, we are so blessed to have you. And as you can tell, we try to get to know people. We actually give phone calls during the week for those that turn in the visitor cards. We're out front. You probably had to go through about 20 different people just to get to the door. And so this is a place where we say, if if you want to hide, we're probably not the church for you. But if you want a smiley face and a handshake and someone to get to know your name, that's what we're doing our best to do. Our welcome lunch is the best way to get to know us. And that'll be next week. It's a free lunch. Kelly said everyone loves phone calls. I think even every, everyone even loves free lunches more. So we'll be given a free lunch, 1230 to 2 in the Crawford cafeteria this next week. So just plan to stay after. We'd love to have you. It's uh, perfectly, uh, perfectly harmless, and you will enjoy your time, I think. So we'd love to have you. So here is what I think that people often have a hard time with Christians for. And it's this. They say, you know, you Christians don't practice what you preach. Have you ever heard that before? Well, they just don't practice what they preach. Well, I think that God is absolutely determined for us at all peoples to practice what we preach. And so we start a preaching series called Uncomfortable. And so it seems like that he is set on us experiencing what we're preaching. Because on Thursday afternoon, we find out that not only do we not have our, uh, have our facility ready, but we're going to have to move in one day. And so we just went for a crazy scramble to get everything. We had two truckloads worth of stuff at Horace Mann. What happened is it flooded. A pipe broke. A lot of you have been praying for the flood of the Spirit. You need to be a little more specific in your prayers. Because it did flood. But uh, it came down, just filled the bottom of the, uh, the auditorium where we meet. And... They said it was such a flood that it actually uh, caused some damage in the walls and it created some environmental hazards. So we know we're out for at least the next three weeks. Who knows how long we'll be here. Some people are saying, can we stay? Can we stay? We'll see. I don't know. But um, talk about uncomfortable to find that out 
one, with one day to, to make everything happen over here. If it wasn't already uncomfortable enough with the heat lately and um, our big fans didn't come in, then we're having to, to move all this this week. You know, and, and here's the deal. This was the frustrating part. We have worked so hard as a staff to just have everything prepared for this school year. We, Steph and I started this summer. We took a, a prayer retreat up in the mountains and we're praying and saying, God, we want to know exactly what your heart is for this fall. That's where, you know, I started praying about this Roman series and then we came back and had an elder retreat where we went off and we prayed for a day to say, God, we, we just want your heart. We just want what you have for us. Then we took a staff retreat for two days. There were 30 of us and we're, we're out in the desert praying and repenting and getting before the Lord and laying before him and spending hours just trying to hear him and strategizing and lining out things and calendaring. We even had a two-day staff training. Just saying, God, we want to be perfectly aligned with what you're saying for this church. Then we started recruiting volunteers. We, we recruited 80 of you guys to be volunteers, to be the, the greeters, the parking lot crew, the ushers, the children's workers. We totally revamped our children's rooms and went through all this work. And then, boom, our worlds are turned upside down by this. You know, and some of you might be thinking, well, Robert, in the church, just, you know, throw some chairs together and we kind of just bring the family in and that's, that's what it's all about. Well, yes and no. I want to tell you that we believe that what God has called the people of God to is so important. It is worth our diligent prayer. It's worth our seeking him with all our hearts. It's worth planning. It's worth calendaring and the funny thing is that this is really what Paul is talking about in the beginning of Romans 1. He's saying it's not just about gathering a few people together and having a little service on Sunday mornings. It's so much bigger. And I want to jump in there with you today. I want to start in Romans 1, 1 again. And we're just going to breeze through this. And then we're going to take on the next verses. If you were with us last week, we only covered one verse. It was powerful, I hope. If you it, you can check it out on our app or on our website. But here it goes. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. We learned last week that it was Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So Paul's saying, hey, my whole life is wrapped around this thing. Whole life counts for this. And what is it? It's the gospel. I want to tell you, one of the reasons we're working so hard is because it's not just about a little service on Sundays. It's about the gospel, and Paul's going to keep defining it. Let's look at verse 2. It says this, verse 2 of Romans. The gospel he promised beforehand. Who's he? It's God. Through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's keep going. Wow, let's read it again. Didn't, didn't mean for that to happen. Through him and for his namesake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles. Now, I need to explain the Gentiles. The Gentiles are every people group on earth that are not the Jews. So that is 195 actual geopolitical nations. It's 7,000 people groups. 
to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul in this passage right here, and I don't know if you caught it, unpacks how amazing the gospel is. He unpacks something so powerful, so beautiful that he says, it's worth my whole life being set apart for this one thing. This one thing, the good news or the gospel. I want to give you six amazing truths about the gospel. If you're taking notes, why don't you jot these down? We're going to put them up on the overhead. Six amazing truths about the gospel because Paul's saying, man, the gospel is so amazing that it's worth giving everything, all my energy, all my focus. Here they are. Number one, the gospel is from the living God. You know, when you get mail, it matters who sent it. You know, you get mail from the credit card company, you toss it. You get mail from a loved one, you're going to read it. You get mail from the living God. I don't know what you're going to do. You probably fall down and start shaking or something. So number one, it's from the living God. Number two, the gospel is about Jesus, the Savior of the world. He's saying, this message, it's important. It's about the Savior of the world. Number three, the gospel is proved in the Holy Scriptures. He said, man, it's not just something I came up with. But for thousands of years, the scripture was talking about this. I'm pointing back to Genesis and all these books up through the Psalms and, and Song of Solomon's pointing in Jeremiah and Amos and Zechariah. The best-selling book of all time and the most authenticated book in all of history and textual criticism, the study of the authenticity of original texts. The Bible's a giant compared to every other piece of literature ever, ever written. Number four, the gospel is for all people. Once again, where we get the name, you'll see the word all peoples throughout the Bible. And he's saying this message is for all people. It's not just one nation, but all 195 and all the thousands of people groups on the earth. Number five, the gospel will bring obedience through faith. When people accept the gospel, it actually changes lives. It's not just like another book. Oh, that's nice. Okay, glad I took and read that. No, when you accept these words, they transform you from the inside out. And lastly, the gospel is for his name's sake. That means he'll receive glory from what happens when people accept the gospel. So Paul says, this is why I'm a slave. This is why I've been set apart. This is why I'm giving my whole life to it. And I want to tell you, church, this is why we as a staff and we as life group leaders and hopefully you are saying, you know what? This church thing, it's not just about a Sunday morning religion. It's about the gospel, the good news. And it's from the living God. And it's about Jesus. And when it goes to people, it transforms their life. And it's for every nation on the whole earth. This is why we're meeting this morning, men and women. And it brings glory to Jesus. So he's saying, that's, that's why I'm giving my whole life for this. But here's the second reason Paul says, I'm giving my life to this. And this is why what we do on Sunday mornings and what we do throughout the week is a big deal. Paul says this, it's about people. It's about people. Let's keep reading the scripture. Paul goes on in verse 8. He says this, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Isn't that great? Someone was thankful for someone. 
Because your faith is being reported all over the world. Here's a, here's a th- thing that will encourage you guys. I had a, a missionary call me the other day and say, Hey, Robert, I want to study what you guys are doing because we feel called to reproduce in Mongolia what God is doing among you guys in San Diego. Isn't that cool? So we, we sent one of our guys over there to help this summer. He really helped them. We're going back. We're going to actually do a citywide conference in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. Why? Because they heard what was going on with you guys here. They, they heard about the young people that come and pack the front stage like a rock concert. But instead of going, oh, oh you know, they're saying, Jesus, Jesus. It's much more holy. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of the Son, is my witness how I constantly remember you. In my prayers at all times, and I pray now that at last, by God's will, the door might be open for me to come to you. There's three things that Paul's saying. He's saying, I always remember you. He's saying, I'm, I'm thanking God for you. He's saying, I'm praying for you. Actually, a fourth thing. He's saying, I'm, I'm trying to come and visit you. Now, this trying to come and visit you is where we're going to camp out today. And um, here's, here's the verse. Let's look at verses 11 through 13. Paul says this, I long to see you, that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. So here's the deal. Paul is not in Rome, okay? But he's writing to this Roman's church, this church in Rome. And he's saying, he's writing this letter saying, hey, I want to come and visit you. And when I come, you're going to be blessed and I'm going to be blessed. He says, that is that you and I may mutually be encouraged by each other's faith. Now, verse 13 is where we're going to camp out today. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented doing so until now. Let me read it again. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now. If I had a title for today's message, it would be, sometimes our plans don't happen. Sometimes our plans just don't happen. Anyone ever had a time where they labored and they got counsel and they finally came up with some plans and you were so excited then poof, they don't happen? Anyone ever had that before? You made plans and they didn't happen. Wow, the other half of you, that your plans always work, you're amazing. No, I, I think that's just normal for humans that we make plans and then they just don't happen. And here's a lie I think we believe as Christians. I think often we believe that the more godly we get, that the more when we make plans in accordance with Scripture and really trying to know God's heart, that the more those plans happen exactly like we think they're going to happen. You get what I'm saying? I think a lot of times we think if I just get godly enough, if I just have very little sin in my life, If I'm just following God, my plans are always going to happen. I've got bad news for you. What I find from my own life and what I find for Scripture is often our plans are blocked. I want to tell you, if anyone's plans should have gone as they would expect, it should have been Paul's, right? I mean, you talk about a godly guy, right? I mean, 
not, not only did he read a lot of the Bible, he wrote a lot of the Bible. I mean, this is a godly guy. Not only did he seek Jesus, he found him. Jesus shows up, bright light, hello, right? I mean, this guy met Jesus, and yet his plans didn't go as he thought they would. So many times, Christians, the plans we make don't happen as we would expect. Let's just, for, for, for fun here, let's just talk about some of the plans that didn't quite happen for Paul. Maybe some unexpected changes. So, you know, Paul decided to go on this missionary journey, and then he planned out, I'm going to visit this city, and I'm going to preach the gospel, and I'm going to start a church. And then I'm going to go in this city, I'm going to preach the gospel, people are going to get saved, I'm going to disciple them and start a church. And then I'm going to go to this city, I'm going to preach the gospel, I'm going to make disciples, and we're going to plant a church. And then I'm going to go to this city, we're going to preach the gospel, make disciples, and plant a church. Right? That was his plan. Now listen to what happened. In life, Paul is stoned and left for dead. I guarantee you that wasn't his plan. In Antioch, Paul has a, dis- a disagreement with his closest friend, Barney, Barnabas, and they part ways. I guarantee you that wasn't his plan. In Philippi, Paul is stripped. Bummer of a day when you get stripped, right? Stripped and beaten and thrown in jail. Any of those are bad. But when you get thrown in jail after you're beaten, when you have no clothes on, bad day, Okay. In Jerusalem, a mob takes Paul and tries to kill him. On a sea voyage, right? Some of you barely can make it on a sea voyage by yourself with Dramamine. You're on the Disney cruise ship. You're barfing your head off. Paul is on a sea voyage, and he gets shipwrecked, okay? And then, ooh, he makes it. He makes it to Malta. Ooh, everything's okay, right? No, he goes to grab some firewood to warm himself up because he's freezing. And what happens? A viper bites him. I mean, poor Paul, right? But he doesn't die. And then all of a sudden, he ends up being hosted by one of the magistrates of the island and hanging out in their estate. I mean, nothing went for Paul like he expected. I have four reasons today why I believe that our plans don't go always as we would expect. Four reasons from Scripture why our plans don't always go as we would expect them. And I, I want you to pay careful attention because these are very different reasons. And it's very important for us to understand when our plans don't go as we would think they would, what's going on. Number one, number one, why sometimes our plans don't go as we would expect. Number one is this, God is opposing us. Ooh, say ooh. Ooh, very good. God is opposing us. So we you remember this last week in Acts, I believe it's chapter nine, where Paul is going and he's 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 actually throwing Christians in jail. But he thinks he's doing God a favor, right? I mean he was a Pharisee, he was a religious leader, and so he's going like this thing's a cult. These guys are going away from God, and so he's actually coming and saying, take that one, throw him in jail, take that one, throw him in jail. He actually stands there while everyone stones Stephen. Paul affirmed the first murder of a Christian. And so what does God do? God opposes his plan. So next, Paul's going to Damascus. He's like, I'm going to go get those Christians in Damascus. They're in trouble. Watch out. Watch my bad self. And what happens? Jesus shows up and opposes him. A bright light comes. Boom. Paul's on the ground. Paul's blinded. 
and it changes all of his plans. I want to tell you that sometimes God opposes us in, in our sin. Some of you have experienced that before, but I want to tell you sometimes God opposes us, not when we're in sin, but just we're not going the way that he wants us to go. When I was moving here, you've, some of you have heard this story many times. We tried to find a house in City Heights. Why? Because we believe that God was calling us to plant a multi-ethnic church. And we know that this area, City Heights, that we're meeting in right now, is one of the most diverse areas in the nation. Crawford High School, incidentally, is the most diverse high school in the whole nation. Isn't that cool? This high school that you're sitting in, the, at least three years ago, is the most diverse high school in the whole nation. Nation. So we said, well, obviously we should live in City Heights. We want to plant a multi-ethnic church. I keep going from house to house trying to find one. And not only can we not find one, but I'm actually feeling really, ugh. I mean, I kind of feel this pit in my stomach and I, I'm just feeling totally off. And I finally look at Steph and go, I think God's opposing us, Steph. Maybe we're not supposed to start by living in City Heights. I said, God, are, are we looking in the wrong place. And all of a sudden I kind of got this ding, 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 ding. That's the right question. I said, okay, God, well, if we're not supposed to be in City Heights, should we be by campus? Ding, 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 ding. That's the right question. I said, God, would you give me a scripture? God unpacks in the book of Acts, the church in Ephesus that was started by going to a school, the school of Tyrannus. And it said all of Asia heard. So I said, God, maybe we're supposed to live by... By campus. And all of a sudden I got this great affirmation from God. And I sent it out to my prayer support. And they all said, yes, you're supposed to live by campus. But you see, God was opposing me. Not because I had a bad heart. Just because I had the wrong idea. You following me? Point number two. If point number one is God's opposing us. Point number two is this. Sometimes you have the right plan. But the wrong timing. Sometimes you have the right plan but the wrong timing, okay? So let me just keep on with this story. So we come, and this is about two months before we move here, we come to campus, and we start looking for homes all around campus. I drove on every street in the college area and in Talmadge, every single street. I looked on Craigslist. I looked on MLS. I had a real estate agent. I had everyone and their dog. I mean, people were sending me homes from everywhere. I kept I kept going and going and going, and no home was opening up, and every home would walk in. We just wouldn't feel God's peace at all. we just not feel it at all. And I'm going, God, okay, now you've told us to move to the college campus, but nothing's opening up. And you heard the story last week. So we finally just say, okay, we got to move. We'll just stay in a hotel until God opens something up. And so we get here with no house, and then boom, Jonathan finds a house. And he goes, look at this house. It's one street away from campus. We haven't seen this one before. We go in it. The second we land there, we, we say, this is it. And I want to tell you that the rest is history. All of our neighbors to our right side came to the Lord. Every single one of them. Their boyfriends came to the Lord. And I started discipling them. Well, two of them had already come to the Lord and they had never been discipled. One, the captain of the football team. One, one of the most influential baseball players. I become the captain of the state baseball team. Uh, the captain. Yes. No, the chaplain. There we go. The chaplain of the state baseball team. All these people start coming to Christ. I got to ride a longboard to campus every day. I'm, you know, they, I became known as the skating pastor. It was so cool. The church starts in that house. You see, sometimes we have the right plan, but the wrong timing. And we're saying, why isn't something happening? 
And God's answer is wait. You have the right plan. But don't be the eager beaver. You know, we're like, I got to you know. I want to tell you, eager beaverness can get you in trouble in your faith, folks. We got to wait for God. Right plan, wrong timing. Point three. The enemy could be opposing you. We have a real enemy. We talked about it last week. It says, be vigilant. For the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. We know from John chapter 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. One of the things that breaks my heart in life is sometimes the enemy opposes us and people just immediately, when the door doesn't just fly open, they go, oh, I guess God doesn't want it. It's not God's will. And they just back down. I guess it's not God's will for me to get up and pray because my alarm didn't go off. I guess it's not God's will for me to go to church because I got a flat tire. I guess it's not God's will to go to church this morning because our kids were fussing, right? No, the enemy doesn't like you. The enemy's giving you a flat tire. The enemy comes on Sunday mornings and goes, ah, let's get everyone bickering, right? I'm being kind of silly right now, but I want to tell you that the enemy can totally attack us. He can... You come, and you're coming into church, and you're feeling just these accusing voices. No one likes me here. I shouldn't be here. That person just looked at me all mad. No, they didn't look at you mad. They just bit their tongue when they bit into their bagel. They just happened to be looking at you, but you're all of a sudden taking, no one likes me here. I saw that person looked at me. No, they just needed to go to the restroom, and we're waiting in line. That's why they looked like they were having a hard time. But the enemy starts attacking us in our mind, right? Or the enemy, I'm not saying every, every time you get a little cold, all oh, the enemy's out to get me. But the enemy comes and brings sickness. The enemy comes and brings disease. The enemy comes and brings attacks. The enemy comes and, and causes people to be incredibly mean to us. Look at what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 3, 2. It says, and pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not everyone has faith. It's the enemy that was stirring up those mobs to strip and beat and throw Paul in jail. And so Paul said, please pray. Pray that we'd be delivered from these evil people. Pray that we'd stop being afflicted. Pray that we'd stop being combated. You know our hero Daniel in the Old Testament. He was seeking the Lord, seeking him for an answer. And for 21 days, there's a principality that stops and oppresses and keeps the angel from coming. That it had to be combated. I want to tell you, there's a real enemy. And we have to rise up and say, I'm pressing in. I'm seeking the face of God. I'm going to keep going. I'm not just going to stop because it's hard. Are you with me, men and women? Number four. Number four, God could have something better. Sometimes our plans don't happen because God could have something for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, let me just be a little vulnerable here with you for a minute. I think some of you will be able to relate to this. I remember getting out of college and I just had this big crush on this girl. I had finally gotten my life turned around, 
And I'm finally just saying, you know, for the first time, I really like this girl because she's a godly Christian. She's on fire. I knew by then that I was going to go into ministry. She wanted to be in the ministry. She was a little older than me. She heard God. She worshiped. She was one of these upfront, you know, kind of people. And I was going, certainly that's God's plan for me. And I, and I prayed and I didn't feel like God saying no. I just, I felt a peace for it. So I pursued her. And guys, I asked her out, and I remember leaving a message on her. Back then, they had answering machines. There are these little boxes with these little buttons. And, um, and I remember her calling me back and saying, sure, I'll go out with you. You know, and my heart is, you know, just exploding. And I planned this date out. To, and, and we went out on several dates. And, I mean, I'm just growing with affection for her and so I go, and I'm, I'm even doing it right, guys. I mean, I went on the date, but I didn't share my whole heart. So now three dates later, I'm going to have that big talk like, will you be my girlfriend? You know, will you go with me? And um, so I basically, I say, you know, hey, I, I want to have this talk with you. I've really enjoyed our last dates. You know, will you be my girlfriend? And she looks at me and goes, oh, Robert, you're so nice. No. What? You know, I'm just, I mean, just moments before the, the birds were chirping. I mean, I was hearing, you know, Dreamweaver, you know, in the background. You know, and now I just heard, Argh. no. I mean, I just kind of looked at her again like, what, did you just? I was already planning, of course, in my mind. I mean, I was thinking of our kids' names, where we're going to live. The color of our matching cars. And she said no. And I was crushed. Okay. Anyone ever been crushed before when your plans didn't happen? Anyone ever had like heartache? Anyone had heartache before when you had a plan and then it didn't happen? Guys, I was crushed by this. And not just for a couple days. Not just for a couple weeks. But months. I, oh, I prayed. Oh, God. Make her change her mind. Oh, God, if you're in this, you change your mind. God, I know I'm right here. I pray. I, I, you've prayed those prayers before. But God had put this sweet little gal in this training school class right next to me named Stephanie Herman. And um, hey, that, don't, don't whoop. That's my wife, guys. Um, and you know, and we were able to get to know each other as friends and, and we got to know each other more and more and more and more. And then finally on our training school outreach trip to Turkey, her name was Herman. Mine was Herber. They put us in alphabetical order. They put us in these two seats off by ourselves. And we had like nine hours on a plane to talk. And by the end of that plane ride, I could not believe how many things we had in common. I couldn't believe how similar our family upbringings had been. I couldn't believe how we had the same desires in our heart. And after that outreach was over, we started dating. And I want to tell you, if there's one thing I can brag on, is that God has given me the most amazing wife. I am in love. I'm more in love now than I was the day we got married. Guys, I am batty about this woman. 
we have a great marriage. And you know, believe it or not, I'm still friends with that girl that said no to me. And you know what? I am so thankful that she said no. Now, she's a, she's a great girl, but we would have been awful together. Awful. But Steph, God had a better plan for me. I didn't know it. I didn't see it. I was frustrated. I, I whined. I threw a fit. I prayed prayers that I shouldn't have ever prayed. But God had something better. And I want to tell you this. Psalm 16, we come towards the ending of our message. Psalm 16 says this. Psalm 16, 5 through 8 says this. Lord, you alone are my portion of my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Did you read that? The boundary lines for me have fallen in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Someone needs to get excited in this room right now. Someone needs to underline this text. Someone needs to start. Someone needs to put an arrow on it. Someone needs to put it on a shirt. Okay. Someone's going to come next Sunday with a tattoo, but I didn't tell you to do that. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Guys, how could Paul go through so many bad things, getting beaten up, getting shipwrecked, getting bitten by a viper? He had so many crazy things happening, so many plans not happening. He doesn't even get to go to his Roman holiday, right? He's wanting to go. He doesn't get to go. But how is he always so peaceful? Because he kept his eyes. He said, my eyes are always on the Lord. And because he's at my right hand, I won't be shaken. And he said, because when I'm following Jesus, I know that the boundary lines have fallen for me in the right places. And surely I have a delightful inheritance. I want to tell you that when you keep your eyes on the Lord, when you keep him at your right hand, there's no one who can steal your inheritance. There's no one who can take away your portion and your cup being full. There's no one who can keep you from God's best when you keep your eyes on him and your hand in his. That's the truth. That's the truth. And Paul knew that. And that's why he could have the craziest wildest ride in the Bible. And he said, I've learned to be peaceful in every circumstance. I've learned the secret to contentment in every circumstance. Now let's look at this last passage. This is where we're going to stop. I want to tell you, if you want your plans to always go exactly as you have them written down, you chose the wrong faith. You probably shouldn't have decided to become a Christian. But Paul does tell us this in verse 16. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it's written The righteous will live by faith. 
Paul's saying, your plans might not always go as you want them to, but I can tell you this much, that when you accept the gospel, it's the power of God. And it's unto salvation. You can know that although things might not go as planned on earth, that you're going to be saved. And that you're going to spend eternity in paradise. And that he's going to give you power to live this life. And that is great news. This morning, I want to pray for people that are in the midst of plans not going right. In the midst of plans that haven't gone expected. Maybe you're here and you're going through a divorce. Maybe you're here and you've lost a child. Maybe you're here and you've gone bankrupt or you don't have enough money. Maybe you're here and you're in a depression. And you say, oh, Robert, I need that power. I need the power of God to come. I I need to know that he's my portion. He's my cup. I need to know again that the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, that surely I have a delightful inheritance. If that's you this morning, we want to pray for you. Would you stand up? And while you're standing, I want to tell you, don't miss next week because we're going to address one of the most controversial topics in all of Scripture. It's going to make you uncomfortable. We're going to talk about God's wrath.